are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What up? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast for episode 4 Friday. April the 10th, and finally picking that first round today on the show. This is your boy Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, Pistons fan and follower my whole life just like you guys, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Got a little bit of an overflow show today, part two with Nolan Bianchi and me talking about the first round of the 64 man in most influential Pistons of all time bracket is the show today. So give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H. Another underscore for that, also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. But we went long for part two here, so that's going to be the show. So listen up to Nolan talking about the most influential Pistons of all time. If you want to be the guest next weekend, and uh, next week, sorry, uh, the tail end of next week to pick the second round matchups, looking for listeners to help out with that, give me an email at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com. Looking for co-hosts for a day to take on the assignment of picking the rest of the bracket as we kind of go on week by week here as well. But here's me and Nolan working through that first round. All right, we're back with Nolan Bianchi of Locked on Red Wings, breaking down the first-round matchups. We, we did the, the preview, so now let's talk about the post-game analysis. The first round just happened, so <laughs> let's kind of break down what the – and again, I don't want to go through all 32 of these matchups and say what the score would be of a, of a fake game or something like that, but is there a – and maybe it's a one versus 16, or not a 16, but one versus unseated. Is there a matchup on here that's like, Oh, this is like one hundred to sixty or something like that. Is there is there one on here that you're just like this person probably doesn't belong in this tournament, and this uh, this seeded player is just going to wax the floor with him? Yeah, it's uh, it's Ben Wallace over Jimmy Walker. I I uh, I could have looked up Jimmy Walker before this thing started, but I thought you know what that guy sounds like he delivers milk. I know what he's about. <laughs> uh, if you just look at the other ones, the the matchups that the other one seeds have, you got. Dwayne Casey against Joe D, Brandon Jennings against Chauncey Billups, Rick Carlisle against Isaiah Thomas. Those guys all have a lot. Formidable, yeah. Exactly. Uh, The name brand recognition. Jimmy Walker, former number one pick of the NBA draft, all-star as well, and father of Jalen Rose. How about that? (laughs) No way. (laughs) If you don't know, now you know. Well, there we go. You see, I told you I was going to get exposed. And uh, how about how about this one? Uh, and and sorry to you know the president, the the president, not the president, the present Pistons fans, and uh, maybe the future Pistons fans as well. But Bill Davidson over Sekou Dumbuya in the first round. That to me, and maybe Sekou yeah. turns into something special down the line. But to me, uh, Mr. D just waxes the floor with Sekou and moves on to the second round with with no no looking back whatsoever. And sorry to Zelly too, Zeliko Rabracha. Going down to Larry Brown in the first round. That's a, that's a beat down as well. And uh, although Blake Griffin and Josh Smith, I don't think this is as big of a blowout just because Josh Smith, in a negative way, impacted the Pistons franchise as he had to get stretched and was on the cap for so long. Um, I was going to say, one of my notes here was I wish Josh Smith had a better matchup. Yeah. Because I could see a world where he wins a game or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. 
So th- those are some of the blowouts. I kind of tend to agree with you. Uh, Tayshawn Prince over Gene Shoes, a little bit of a, a route in the first round too. Yeah. So those are the ones that kind of stood out. But let's get interesting here and talk about, uh, I don't know, some upsets. Are there some some games out here that you think the uh, the unseated guy gets the win and moves on? Yeah, I, I, I go Mark Champion over Tom Gores. That's the wow. first one that comes to mind. Wow. Uh, Tom Gores, from the outside looking in, like I said, not a super uh, passionate Pistons fan these days, but Tom Gores is kind of a clown show. Sure. Uh, we, you know, we give a lot of flack to the Illiches, or not, not the Illiches, but Chris Illich uh, for the job he's doing with the Red Wings and the uh, Tigers, but at least like he's also not accompanying it by doing what Tom Gores does. And I guess some people probably like it. I get, you know, the, the flashy owner, he acts like he cares, wears his heart on his sleeve, whatever. Uh, but Tom Gores has done absolutely nothing of substance in his time here as an owner, as a, as a Pistons owner. And he also has the, uh, the negative of coming in after one of the greatest owners to ever own a sports team and Bill Davidson, Karen Davidson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just remember so like, right. you know, like, I don't know. There was something different about Bill Davidson. Uh, just how much he cared about his teams and, he just cared about them in a lot more genuine way than Tom Gores did. And uh, Mark Champion's a legend of the game, too. Uh, you know, you just went to the Super Bowl. What are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Story at DebtNews.com by Matt Shook. Uh, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't in good faith put Tom Gores into the second round over Mark Champion. I, I'm with you. I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to let that one roll. And the Mark Champion moving on over Tom Gores. And, and in addition to Tom Gores being – certainly unspectacular in a positive way with the Pistons. I, I just kind of argue that he's, he's not, I think he's not great, not bad. Like, I mean, you could make an argument if he was like this really horrible owner and was mm-hmm. the reason the Pistons suck right now right. that he would kind of be influential as this, this kind of exercise moved on. But I just think like, you know, it's a good thing that he moved him down to Detroit, but they're kind of piggybacking on the Red Wings at Little Caesars Arena. Mm-hmm. So this kind of a blah move there. Uh, Stan Van Gundy was kind of a blah move. Even Dwayne Casey and Ed Stefanski, you know, kind of a blah move there. So, yeah, not not that much in terms of good waves or bad waves. So, yeah, Mark Champion, beloved radio voice, we're going to move him on the second round as well. I've got a con, uh, kind of a controversial one to throw at you to get your thoughts on. Right. What about Adrian Dantley over Bob Lanier, the five seed possibly going down Adrian Danley put up a lot of big stats with the Pistons, helped the bad boys get to the cusp of a championship, losing in game seven to the Lakers in 88. And then it's him being traded for Mark Aguirre in the 88-89 season that kind of is the mythical cherry on top for the bad boys to get over the hump and move. So you have kind of that good influence. He was part of the rise of the team and also was, was also a negatively influential person in that him being traded was the thing that maybe pushed them to a championship and led them to getting Mark Aguirre and is still talked about in terms of bad boys lore. So would and Bob Lanier, great player, obviously, uh, and kind of carried the Pistons through kind of a, a blah era in the 70s. I just think that being a more important figure, being, being kind of an, in, an influential figure in an important time is more important than being – uh, the, the great player in a blah time. What do you think about that? No, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, I, I, and I think that there's just more weight that is added to players who were around for a championship time or, uh, like you mentioned, were traded away in a trade that 
possibly put them over the hump we're going through. Uh, we've, we've had a couple arguments like that in our Red Wings bracket where, you know, Paul Coffey, great defenseman, et cetera, et cetera. But he also has the caveat of being the one who landed Brendan Shanahan in 1996, which a lot of people believe is what got the Red Wings over the hump, added a quality of toughness and skill that they didn't have at the time. Uh, so I think an argument could be made there. And even in the sense, like uh, I was talking about this earlier, I don't think it'll fly with the listener. So I don't know if I'm going to bring it up, mm-hmm. but uh, I, you know, I think in a lot of ways you could also make an argument that Sergei Fedorov is a more uh, influential guy than Steve Eisman just because Ooh. of what he started. Mm-hmm. He was the first to defect. He brought over Konstantinov, Fatisov, Kozlov. So I think that's that's there's more ways to look at it other than, oh, well, you know, this guy put up X amount of points. He played 12 years with the Pistons. How could you, you know, I think I think that's definitely a very, very valid argument. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm with it. So we'll get we'll get AD going over Bob Lanier. Sorry to uh, big Bob Lanier there but uh, what about uh we talked about we teased it a little bit mark aguire mike abdenauer uh legendary trainer and uh mark aguire again the guy who kind of put the bad boys over the hump won the two titles friend of isaiah thomas as opposed to foe of isaiah thomas with adrian danley (laughs) well i mean you know where are we at on this one this is going to overtime right i mean this is going to be a buzzer beater for one of these teams yeah absolutely and and, and, you know i don't want to discount what mark aguire has meant to the Pistons and <laughs> though like he, you, you put him over the hump in one of the greatest eras of basketball, like just one of the most memorable teams ever. And he also brought a lot of those same qualities to that team and, and somewhat amplified them. Mm-hmm. But I think of Mike Abdenauer and he's been there like the entire time. Uh, a trainer to me is, is a very important part and a, and a good training staff. Now, I I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell you like, Hey, well, actually in 2001, there was this guy, he thought his career was over and Mike Abdenauer saved him. I don't have those stories, mm-hmm. but what I know is that Mike Abdenauer is an OG <laughs> truest sense. Definitely OG. That's right. He's been around through everything through like the good times, the bad times. And I tell you what, I don't think there's anybody who's more made for their job in this entire world than Mike Abdenauer looks the part. is looks for the part. job as a trainer of the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And he's still, still doing it too. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you and here's why here's the, the main reason the informed why I'm going to do it. The informed opinion. And actually it's, <laughs> the, the qualifier is that it's not that informed is because I didn't do a whole lot of research going into this. I'm kind of letting the listener and the, the, uh, the expert uh, kind of come in and try to convince me. And I'm kind of, playing the role of jury as opposed to lawyer in this situation. But I'm trying to think, obviously Mark Aguirre was, you know, mythically a big part of this whole thing. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like that quintessential Mark Aguirre moment for the bad boys, whether it was a shot, whether it was a game that he took over. Now I am remembering a couple of stretches where he had some, some good play for a few minutes, but there, there's not that Mark Aguirre moment where I can say, Okay, that's why they brought in Mark Aguirre. I know, like, as a storyline and as kind of a theory, it works because they ended up being so successful. But there's not that, like, kernel of, oh, well, it was that huge shot he hit in the playoffs against the Bulls or, right. or something like that. There's not that moment out there. Right. No, I absolutely agree. Yes, sir! All right. So, uh, what else we got? I mean, I'm looking at a couple of these names, like John Green. It's hilarious. If he would have gotten a more favorable first round matchup against a lower seed, but I just don't see, you know, Lambeer 
going down against him. Yeah, it's tough. Two-time WNBA uh, <laughs> champion. That's the biggest, the biggest reason that he's not there, <laughs> for sure. No doubt, no doubt about it. Stan Van Gundy, again, like, you know, probably shouldn't even really be on this bracket if we're, if we're being completely honest. It, no, hard, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I will not stand for the Stan Van Gundy slander. I, the former like effing wall – is, I like is what Gundy. got me back into the Pistons. Okay, all right. I and, I remember that night sitting in my. It was like a December game. Yeah, I remember watching the Pistons in December in the 2010s, which is a miracle in its yeah. own right, and it's all thanks to him. Yeah, where were you when when Foreman Effing Wall happened? Rick Carlisle, if he if Rick Carlisle would have gotten a better matchup, if Dwayne Casey, well, Dwayne Casey is not really influential with this franchise, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I'm. Str- well, do we need to talk some more about Drummond versus Flip? Does that need to be an upset? Yeah, you I want to make a case for that. I think so. I don't know how many years Flip Saunders was here. I feel like it was like only two or three. Uh, Sounds about right. I'm going to say probably three or four, but yeah, you're probably right. And I mean, like he did some things with the Pistons. They didn't win a championship in those years, but Mm -hmm. like they were arguably even better in those years, you know, following the 2004, 2005 NBA finals, the regular uh, seasons, right? The regular seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also just ran into some way, to some unfortunate competition, like I mentioned before, that Miami team that they played when they, I think they had, was that the best record in Pistons history? Yeah, 64 and 18, his first year as coach of the Pistons, 53 and 29 the second year, and then 59 and 23, his third and final year with the Pistons. That's an unbelievable run. 176 and 70, a winning percentage of 715 in the regular season. And I don't care who your players are. I mean, to, to have that kind of sustained success coming in like, and, and not only that, but they weren't even his, his guys, you know, mm-hmm. like he came in and was like, all right, I'm the coach of these guys now. And I get that. That's uh, you know, a lot of times how that works, but he, the, he wasn't around for the, the building of the core or anything like that. So I think for him to be able to put together those teams and uh, like you mentioned, not a lot of playoff success, but I think there were a couple Eastern Conference finals mixed in there, weren't there? Against yeah. the Celtics and oh yeah, Celtics, the Cavs, and the uh, and the Heat, I believe. All three. yeah, all three years. Yeah, Heat, and then the Cavs, and then the Celtics. With the last, the last time the Pistons won a playoff game, two thousand eight. Good times. Oh, um, man. I'm sick now, to my stomach. I'm gonna sorry, Nolan, but I'm gonna veto this one. I'm gonna move on, Andre Drummond, only because. Uh, and I know that, like you said, Andre Drummond. There's not a million great Andre Drummond memories or anything like that, but. I just think that in Andre Drummond's first half of his career with the Pistons, it represented like a lot of hope, right? That maybe this could be the guy who kind of helps this team get back, not only to the playoffs, but maybe even advances in around, maybe even wins a freaking playoff game at some point. You never know. Anything could happen. But then, so that's like the, like the positive part of him. And of course, there's a lot of good things about him as a player too. I know it's got to get lost with the uh, all the hate that he received and probably from one of our guests here on today, but, uh, and I'm not the biggest Andre Drummond defender in the world. Everyone knows that if you listen to this show, but uh, I will say that because he kind of, in the second half of his Pistons career, he kind of represented like this, the negativity, like everyone kind of turned away from the franchise fans that had followed this team forever got turned off to the point where like, you know, people just started to hate him in his last couple of years of his time. And then there was the people who defended him even more so because people were hating him. And it just turned into this whole thing. I think it, it was a 
an important part. And, and of course, there's a little bit of recency bias here because of the, all this stuff just happened and, and it's natural that we're going to be doing that. But yeah, I, I just think that Andre Drummond as a whole, as a lightning rod, as a, the hope turned into the disappointment, turned into literally trading him for nothing just to get rid of his contract this year. <laughs> it's a tough fall for a guy who, you know, once he signed that $120 million deal, everyone's like, all right, at least they kept Andre Drummond. We're going to have this, this exciting future. I think it's just kind of an interesting career arc that he had here in Detroit. You know, and, and I hear you, but I would ask you to, to reopen the <laughs> appeals process because here's, for sure. me, like I said, uh, as a very, very casual Pistons fan, as a guy who swore off the Pistons for a lot of years, mm-hmm. um, to me, the guy who, who represented the hope was Reggie Jackson. Okay. I think, to, to me, even when I was like getting back into the Pistons, like learning, oh, what's the situation all about, et cetera, et cetera, I remember – like from day one, like Dre having all these, you know, negative things against him. Oh, you can't play him in the last five minutes of the game. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. And there was always the conversation about, I don't know if we should pay this guy. And I don't know, just to me that that represents uh, insignificance when, when the conversation cannot be ever confirmed of whether or not he should be, he deserves the big bucks. Uh, I think there were, you know, a season or two while Reggie Jackson wasn't able to stay very healthy. Uh, I, I think Reggie Jackson represented that hope. I remember I went to Reggie Jackson's first game back after injury that year after they made the playoffs. I think it was 2017. Uh, I haven't heard the palace that loud in a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't know. I just, I just think like, you know, we watch all these shows, Breaking Bad and all that, Better Call Saul, where it's like that, that, that tortured hero, right? That, uh, that an interesting career arc. I kind of see that. I hear you. With I hear Andre you. Drummond a little bit. So we're going we're gonna to go with Drummond moving on there. Uh, no disrespect, but uh, going to have to throw, <laughs> throw the veto down. Uh, sorry about that. And also with Flip. Um, and I know that he, you know, regular season, a lot of success, obviously, and kind of steered the ship pretty well after Larry Brown left. But like, it was such a weak Eastern Conference. And yeah. I think there's a little bit of revisionist history sometimes that like they were almost beat the Heat. I mean, it wasn't that. You know, they didn't go to game seven there. LeBron James just beat the crap out of them in that series. Yeah. And then the Celtics series, maybe it was a little bit close. Maybe I was soured as a fan at that point and didn't believe that they were going to get back to the finals. But, man, I, it just – and I'm not, I'm not saying the Flip Saunders era was, like, a bad or or even that disappointing. It was just that, like, he just kind of steered the ship fine. So I'm just right. It's like that. Uh, it's like the argument where with uh, when Luke Walton took over the Warriors after uh, after Steve Kerr mm-hmm. the wiped out with the injury. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> after Steve Kerr went on IR. What about and this might be a little bit out of your realm, but what about George Yardley? I mean, we're talking about probably the first great Piston, but this is like Fort Wayne Pistons. I mean, this is like this is so long ago. Um, just just a guy who puts up huge numbers up against Rick Mahorn. Rick Mahorn, who a little bit of a, a cult hero with the Pistons, obviously wins one championship with the Bad Boys, gets taken by the Minnesota Timberwolves in the expansion draft the day of the parade of the first game, but then comes back into the fold as a player one more time, uh, amazingly overweight as a player at the end of his career <laughs> with the Pistons, did the amazing move where uh, he would let someone back down on him and then just pull the chair and they'd, they'd fall and travel, which is like such an old man move. Uh, on the on the basketball court and now he's of course doing uh, color commentary on the radio i just talked myself in and out 
of George Yardley beating Rick Mahorn, and then I just talked myself out of it. But uh, any thoughts on Mahorn versus Yardley? Yeah, I got to be honest. The uh, the the names where they <laughs> on our bracket, the guys who like are legendary figures of the game, <laughs> but like look, we were just like, who the hell is Norm Allman? And then we yeah. look it up, and it, it'd be like uh, he was the NHL saves leader for for uh, thirty years, and we're like, <laughs> screw him, Dylan Larkin, on to the next round. You know? Like <laughs> yeah, Norm so, Allman's uh, great grand great grandson is listening, and just like. Right, exactly. Dylan and, uh, Larkin. <laughs> and I think that, uh, you know, you make a good point about Mahorn because on our uh, on our bracket and on your bracket as well, there's a couple broadcasters on there. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a certain element of what does this man, what did this man bring to the Pistons, but then also what did he bring to the Pistons fan experience? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of weight to be given to anybody who, who can do that personally. And along those lines, I will say this, Greg Kelser, uh, kind of a special mention. I think he gives Jack McCloskey one of those buzzer beater games and McCloskey hits the jumper at the end to win it. It makes it a little bit closer than one might have thought. Greg Kelser comes in with the Pistons, high draft pick, uh, comes in and, and plays with Isaiah Thomas a little bit, has the injuries, leaves, and then comes back as a beloved broadcaster for many years alongside George Blaha. It gets it done. Any other thoughts? Any other games that stand out? Or can we uh, move on and chat a little bit of preview of the second round here? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that that's pretty much it for me. Okay. What do, you, what do you like? What do you like in the second round? Are there some games? We won't pick any of them, but uh, are there some matchups that you're really salivating on going forward? Well, like I mentioned before, I think uh, – I mean, I, obviously, if it comes down to me or a, a listener simply trying to convince you mm-hmm. this fact, I, I don't think he's got a – chance in hell frankly but i think if left to the say a, a democracy of sorts which we uh, do not stand for here in the lockdown right no 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 ab- absolutely not we don't either it's mm-hmm. it, like i said we got tyler bertuzzi in the sweet 16 <laughs> uh i i think mason yeah would have a would have a really outside shot at beating Isaiah Thomas. Because another guy that, that got a lot of love, uh, both in the listeners' poll and the uh, podcast poll for ours, was Al Sabaka. Mm-hmm. If you've never heard of Al Sabaka, it's because he has nothing to do with the Red Wings. He's a Zamboni driver, <laughs> but when people throw octopi onto the ice, yeah. he whips that sucker around his head like it's no tomorrow, and he is the creator of an experience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and I think Mason brings that same, uh, that same element to this game it's a tough draw for him going up against isaiah but i don't know i i think he would have a shot in in the court of public opinion yeah maybe if maybe if mason was like a seven seed going up against a two seed like right. a Mick rashid or chuck daly or something like that but isaiah is isaiah i just i don't see it but we'll see what happens maybe the right listener can come on and, and tell me all about it do, do we have to go back and revisit blake griffin versus josh smith and is there a chance that Josh Smith as a negative force <laughs> means more to the Pistons influential wise than Blake Griffin, who was great in 1819 and, and kind of drug them to the playoffs. But it, you know, at the end of the day, did it really matter that Blake Griffin took that team to the playoffs? Is it more no. influential that Josh Smith like was an albatross yes. for this team? Do we need to put absolutely? Josh Smith in? I okay. think, you, you know what? I think that. Josh Smith absolutely deserves a trip to the second round because you know what? And there's, <laughs> I'm pulling so many stops out here, but there's also an an element to this being influential in a way that like he was the, 
he created so many Twitter memes <laughs> and he just like made Pistons being a Pistons fan a little bit more fun at a time when being a Pistons fan seriously sucked. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some value to that. Okay. Okay. And the reasons he biased a little bit there, although Blake Griffin has more reasons he biased. I'm also going to put uh, Tom Wilson as an unseated player beating Dave DeBusher. So Dave DeBusher is going to go down in the first round as well. DeBusher, Dave DeBusher. Hall, Hall of Famer, great player, but most of his big moments were with the Knicks. Tom Wilson uh, orchestrated the, 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 the building of the palace and then with his time with the Illich group uh, kind of helped facilitate the Pistons to come downtown as well. So Tom Wilson, kind of a forgotten member of Pistons lore, moving on to the second round ahead of Dave DeBusher. Any other second round matchups that are standing out to you that uh, that might be interesting ones? I'm thinking, let's see. I think uh, I think Mark Champion versus Bill Davidson is, is another good one. I don't necessarily think that uh, – I don't know that Mark Champion deserves a nod, but like George I mentioned Mason. before. Could be George Mason, right, for the final four? Absolutely. I would love that. I would love Dennis that. Dennis Rodman versus Jerry Stackhouse. That's going to be not for the faint of heart. That's two tough guys right there. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember uh, – I remember <laughs> – my knowledge of Jerry Stackhouse is extremely limited to uh, what he was able to do in NBA Live 2001. Uh, it's a game I remember very, very gets vividly. Gets yeah, buckets. he gets buckets. And you know what's funny? It is, uh, this is just a completely random thing, but you got the number one versus the number eight, Joe Dumars versus Corliss Williamson in the second round. I remember uh, – I don't remember – really anything of Corliss Williamson's career. But I, I remember I was talking to, to somebody one time recently and uh, I remembered that when I was in maybe second grade, my, my teacher was teasing me about a, a Corliss Williams, Corliss Williamson bobblehead that I got uh, for going to a game and he called him scoreless Corliss. And then from mm. then on for the rest of my life that changed, that was just like, yeah, that guy doesn't get buckets at all. <laughs> and so uh, I would, I would Six just like, rip, I just repeated that for the rest of my life. Uh, uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry, Corliss. We, we do not stand for the Corliss Williamson slander here on the lockdown Pistons podcast. <laughs> John Sally versus Rasheed Wallace. It's kind of interesting, kind of like a bad boys versus going to work. Uh, argument there certainly Rashid like that bigger name or bigger factor than Sally but Sally's a big part of those teams as well Rick Mahorn versus Rip Hamilton that's two contrasting styles of players yes but also the same exact type of player in terms of like their role in what happened like they weren't the most important mm-hmm. players but like Steady. yeah but like the, those teams needed both those guys you know and it's interesting. It's interesting. Another one I got an eye on is uh, whoever gets past, whoever advances out of Mike Abdenauer and Mark, Mark Aguirre. We picked Abdenauer, no? We got Abdenauer, yeah. Okay. Abdenauer. Uh, him against Larry Brown. I think that, that that's, a, that's, a, that's a close one. Larry Brown, obviously, one of the greatest coaches of all time, but he only won one NBA championship. This is this is uh this is a bit of a pro Larry Brown podcast. So he's gonna that's gonna have trouble. It's gonna be trouble. Be trouble to get get by him for me. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. And yeah, I want to make it clear that was no no disrespect to Larry Brown. He is uh he's one of my favorite people ever. He's one of the greatest people that I've ever talked to for a story. I think you put me in touch with him. But sure uh, hearing Larry Brown talk about the uh, the O four championship was one of the great joys of my life so you know what strike that from the record mike <laughs> abdenauer 
I love you. Get the hell out of here. George Blaha versus Dave Bing in the second round. That's going to be a tough one for George. He loves Dave Bing. He just loves that guy. So that's going to be a tough matchup for George to put emotions aside and try to beat the great Dave Bing. Yeah, you should. Uh, you should have him on. See if <laughs> yeah, I'll see. I know George is up in Grayling. Uh, we'll get, I got George's number. We'll get, we'll see if uh, George wants to come on. Maybe see maybe if he, he wants can... to make the case for or against himself. <laughs> yeah. Should you beat Dave Bing <laughs> or not? We'll see what you, you know. He's going to say, "Yeah, put me uh, put me down. Get Dave Bing ahead of me." Oh well, man. Nolan Bianchi, I know you guys are doing the bracket uh, at the end of your weeks as well on Lockdown Red Wings, and you had a nice conversation with another old Red Wings figure, Scribe, as well. You want to plug uh, the show a little bit? Yeah, we've actually uh, we've had a lot of great guests on lately. Luckily, uh, you know, the, it's unfortunate that sports are at a complete pause, but the Red Wings were at a complete pause anyway. So uh, it's nice that everybody's got a little <laughs> same, bit of free time same. on their hands. Uh, so <laughs> we've actually been able to get some pretty good guests on. We've had uh, in the past week, uh, we've been doing a lot of Red Wings rewinds. We're just taking a look back at, at better days because there's not much to talk about right now uh, long-term either. It's a lot of wait and see with the Red Wings. So we've had uh, Terry Foster, Ken Cal uh, on in the, in the past two weeks. And then uh, next week where we have a two-part episode, possibly a three-part episode, depending on how much of it we, uh, we keep or cut or what, what, what exactly transpires. But uh, Keith Gave, uh, author of The Russian Five, longtime Freep uh, journalist just an absolute gangster i called him that i that's how i ended the podcast i said keith you're an absolute gangster i'm smiling from ear to ear uh tells some great stories about the russian five his role in it being uh with the nsa working in berlin just a laundry list of uh interesting facts and tidbits if you will you can find Lockdown Red Wings at Twitter, LO underscore Red Wings. Nolan Bianchi is on Twitter as well at Nolan Bianchi is B-I-A-N-C-H-I. But thanks for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, I guess do you, have, do you have anyone you need to apologize to in Pistons land for maybe some slander that you want to pass along the, in case they're listening here or yeah i, I want to I, yeah no i, I do want to apologize to larry brown i had a moment <laughs> i i had i i've been growing out a mustache lately and uh i saw a lot of myself and mike abdenauer yeah, kind and, of a and, and my, hero of sorts yeah in a way somebody i draw inspiration from and and i kind of lost sight of what was important so i, I owe larry brown an apology but we'll, we'll see if the. I think uh, we'll that was the only guy I, I I slandered. We'll see if the legend accepts the apology. Thanks for coming on. Nolan. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Nolan Bianchi. Give him a follow on Twitter at Nolan Bianchi B I A N C H I. Also the Lockdown Red Wings account at L O underscore Red Wings. So find those guys. Listen to their show as well. But that wraps up this edition of Locked On Pistons. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Have a great weekend, everyone. Happy Easter, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday.